You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts, and our podcast, available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander, the State Director of AARP North Carolina, and we've got a great, great show for you today. Dr. Peggy Dilworth Anderson of UNC Chapel Hill's Gilling School of Global Public Health is with us to talk about brain health. Uh, But before we get to that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with our esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm great, Mike. How are things on your end? Things are very, very busy. And uh, I've said this on previous shows before, we are having a really fantastic year uh, at AARP North Carolina. 2023 has really been the year we needed it to to be in this quote-unquote post-COVID period. Um, And yes, I use that deliberately with quotes, because I think our guest might correct me on that, (laughs) calling it post-COVID period. Um, But uh, yeah, I've been really, really busy doing a lot of uh, events, programs out in the community, but also virtually, and um, really, really pleased with how our team of staff and more than 500 AARP volunteers throughout the state are serving uh, the 10 million residents of uh, the Tar Heel State. So, yeah, going going really, really great on my end. How about you? How's your uh, how's your year as you're now roughly mid-year period and you're looking at work and life and family and all that stuff? How, how, are, you, how are things standing with you? Oh, things are always exciting here. We're getting through uh, summer camps right now with the kids, and then, of course, get it will be in the mode here to – go back to school in a few months. But other than that, we've got family coming through and trips and other things. So it's it's a fun time. Oh, great. Very good. And uh, now that we're at roughly the mid-year period, I thought it would be a good time for us to do a little check-in. You know, Jason, every week we, as we do a show here, ARP Without Limits, we always try and plug um, our contact information, right? And encourage people to send us an email to our show, which is aarpwithoutlimits at aarp.org for any type of question or suggestions for future topics or uh, guests. And uh, I wanted to share, I thought it was about time that I share some of the questions that we've received, just because, you know, if one person, uh, you know, has an idea or has a question, um, granted, you know, or, or like most likely there are other people who do, right? So I thought that I'd share a few of them with you, and hopefully that will encourage some of our listeners to uh, do likewise and, and send us a note. So um, uh, one of the questions I have here is, and this is Jason, you might like this, is there any possibility of you starting a TV show or a YouTube program for seniors? So somebody apparently likes the program, but actually wants to see us, Jason. What do you think about that? Do you? Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that type of thing? Uh, I can only speak for myself, but I know this person will be very disappointed if there is a YouTube version of this, at least the, the section that includes me. But I, I think you, you've got, you don't have a face for radio like I do. I think you could pull off the TV side of things or the streaming side of things. You could be a YouTuber or, uh, you know, your kids might understand, a Twitch streamer, you know, mm. that's, that's more your speed maybe. Uh, I think 
think you're, you're, you're downplaying yourself. You're being way, way, way too modest here. But I think that, I don't know about a YouTube channel in here. I do think it would be just kind of boring. Then again, I don't know. I mean, some of these YouTube channels, these video podcasts are huge, mm-hmm. you know, out there. And they're just people talking. I guess, you know, people don't like to just listen to people talking, but they like to see them talking as well. So I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, we may able to look into that in the next year. Uh, hi, Mike. I really enjoy your show every week. I appreciate all that ARP is doing in our state. I'm interested in volunteering. How do I get started? What a wonderful question. We always like to highlight the value of volunteers. ARP has been around for 65 years. We would never have had that type of uh, longevity. Um, and the impact that we have without our volunteers, as I mentioned earlier, we have more than 500 of them that work with our state office here in North Carolina. The simplest thing is, honestly, send us a quick email if you're listening to the show, because, again, we want to hear from you through that channel, AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. You can also uh, post a comment on our Facebook page. You can go to aarp.org slash North Carolina and contact us through that. But really, the quickest way, because we check it every day, is to send us um, an email there. Another uh, interesting question here, um, Jason, what is AARP's position on the 2024 election? Will you be endorsing any president? presidential candidates, either in the primary or in the general election in November. Um, This is a common one that comes up. Um, ARP does not endorse any candidates. Um, ARP does not have a political action committee that endorses candidates. And I know that comes as a surprise to a lot of people because we do a lot of advocacy work on the local level, uh, state level, federal level, on issues that are important to people who are 50 and older and their families. Uh, But we do not endorse candidates. We don't write checks to political parties or to PACs or to candidates, anything like that. Uh, We stay clear of that. Our strength is in our numbers and in our expertise in the uh, the various issues that are related uh, to aging in America. Um, and then lastly, I thought this question was interesting. Uh, Jason, what is ARP doing about the lawsuit recently filed by Merck to reverse the Inflation Reduction Act's provision to allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices? Uh, will ARP be organizing a boycott of this company as a response? Um, the answer to that is no. ARP does not organize consumer boycotts. Um, and it would be very dangerous for anyone to s- tell somebody to stop taking your prescription drugs uh, for any type of reason. Uh, we're certainly not going to recommend uh, that. Um, this is definitely uh, one of those issues that's going to be fought out in the courts for quite a while. I suspect there are going to be many more lawsuits, and AARP will weigh in um, as appropriate through possibly um, um, amicus briefs and and other types of things um, that allow us to um, – to be able to uh, help make the case for why the federal government should have the power to be able to negotiate drug prices um, for those on Medicare, just like the VA does, for example, for for veterans. So really great questions. Again, folks, keep them coming along. Send us a note to AARP without limits at aarp.org. And I think we might do this a little bit more regularly, Jason. I think uh, I do like the idea of us maybe doing an Ask AARP segment of, of our show. Uh, maybe not every week, but, uh, you know, certainly from time to time. I think people like to hear their questions get raised on the air and, and on the podcast and so forth. What do you think about that? I love it. An interactive show. That's what we are and what we strive to be. Great, great. Well, um, as I mentioned before, um, Jason, you know, uh, the, the, the area of public health, AARP does a lot of different type of work different types of work on different issues, advocacy, 
um, live, create, helping create livable communities. And we do do some work in the public health space as well. Um, ARP worked very, very closely with the state here, for example, during COVID to help get information out to people. You know, we had a, a, a novel uh, virus, um, and uh, there was a lot of questions, a lot of fear. Obviously, older adults were affected more than any other single group in America of, with, uh, by COVID, and um, and we do do a lot of, of work in in public health and in, in other areas as well. And uh, one of those areas actually is um, the area of brain health. Um, and um, as we've discussed before on this show. This is something really, really important to our listeners and to older adults in general. And so uh, that being said, I am very, very pleased to to have with us Dr. Um, uh, Dilworth Anderson, who is with the uh, the Gillings School of Public Health at UNC. So, uh, Dr., uh, thank you so much for being with us today on AARP Without Limits. Thank you for inviting me. I'm pleased to be here. Great. Now, the the Gillings School of Public Health has been ranked by peer leaders as the number one public school of public health in the United States, which is amazing to have right here in North Carolina. Please tell us a little bit about the Gillings School. What is what is your mission, and how do you conduct your work? Well, thank you for that. Uh, and we're also the number two overall in all schools of public health, both private and public, uh, in the United States. Our, our mission at, at the school is to promote individual well-being and, of course, to eliminate health inequities in North Carolina in particular and around the world because we do global work. Our work is in different areas and different categories, such as science laboratories, clinical and public health settings in communities, a lot of which I do, including work sites and community-based and non-governmental organizations. So we're in different places all over the world. Wow. Now, uh, brain health is a, is a top concern for AARP members and older adults whenever we at AARP poll them. Uh, for those who haven't yet gotten around to thinking much about this, why is maintaining good brain health important as we age? Well, of course, I'm I'm very biased toward the brain. And if I think I had to start over in life, I would become a neurologist <laughs> in addition <laughs> to a social scientist. Uh, the brain is a critical part of our health. Uh, oftentimes, we don't think of it that way, but it is very uh, critical. It is so connected to so many different kinds of abilities that we express, the ability to communicate, make decisions, problem solve, and just have a productive life. It's an epicenter. Wow. Um, Now, in in what ways do we have control over our brain health? Um, And and what are these six so-called six pillars of brain health? Well, the six pillars of brain health came from uh, the work that I do uh, with the Global Council on Brain Health through AARP, led by Uh, a very uh, astute leader at AARP. Uh, And we developed six pillows. Uh, One is to be socially engaged, always engage your brain, manage stress, have ongoing exercise. That doesn't always mean going to the gym. A nice brisk walk, Mm -hmm. restorative sleep, and eat right. Wow. And so these these six pillars and that that links, these are... Uh, you're saying these are individual ways that people can uh, um, 
can implement or, or, or can ex- exercise um, as a way of being able to help control uh, their brain health? Yes, increase their brain health as well as maintain their brain health. Well, that, that is so, so important. And when we come back after the, this commercial break, folks, we're going to take a little bit of a, a deeper dive and, and talk a little bit more about something called brain health equity because there is uh, quite a bit more to uh, brain health rather than just other than just getting older and uh, all of uh, the usual suspects, so to speak. When we come back after this next after this commercial break, we will dive into that. This is ARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio. Just as a reminder, folks, we always love to hear from you each and every week. The best way to reach us is by sending us an email to AARP Without Limits at AARP.org. We've been speaking today with Dr. Peggy Dilworth Anderson. She is with UNC's Gillings School of Global Public Health about brain health. And uh, doctor, I really appreciate your time today. Now, most of us think when we think about brain health and maintaining cognitive ability, uh, they tend to, people tend to think of it just as a normal part of aging, regardless of where you live in the world or, or what your community is like. But there are a number of other factors that are very important to determining this, including your environment, societal norms, cultural and political factors, and so forth. And you most recently helped AARP and the Global Council on Brain Health with a new report on brain health equity. What does brain health equity mean? Well, that's a very good question and a very relevant question. Uh, The Global Council on Brain Health defines brain health equity as the fair and just opportunity to have a healthy mind through the life course. All people should have this opportunity, which should not be undermined by systemic policies and practices, including population-wide factors that create disadvantages for certain populations. This is consistent with what the World Health Organization defined as health equity. So we know that in the absence of fairness and uh, of access, we know that this can affect our brain as well as our physical health and our mental emotional health. It affects how we develop. In other words, it affects both life and death through the life course. Hmm. And now, and now, what what were some of the key findings? or recommendations even uh, from the report when it comes to brain health equity that people should be aware of? Well, in terms of the inequities, uh, I'd like to uh, uh, note that achieving equity in the brain calls for new strategies uh, across different sectors. Uh, And it, it requires us to think of healthy choices. It also speaks to scientific research must adapt to the ways that we recognize population diversity. This is a big issue in our country as well as across the world, that the scientific enterprise oftentimes exclude the people most vulnerable to diseases such as Alzheimer's disease and other kinds of diseases, as well as uh, studying cancer and heart disease, and particularly around people of color and low-income individuals. So we know that when we look around the the globe and and 
referring to America, we see that we, we need to really diversify our science, which means when you have good science, you have good evidence to develop care plans. Mm -hmm. You have good evidence to teach clinical in clinical settings, such as rising MDs and nurses and healthcare professionals, as well as social workers. We also found that planners should recognize the importance of the local environment, the built and the unbuilt. Uh, It is very much unappreciated. Uh, We found out that providers should prioritize their uh, in terms of prevention and establish brain health screening as a routine part of the checkup for aging adults and others at risk. Healthcare providers should be aware of community-based resources so they can make referrals as needed. Now you say, where do healthcare providers learn these things? I'd like to say as a professor, we teach these things. It becomes a part of the basic fabric of becoming a clinician and uh, understanding that through the the course of practicing as a uh, physician and healthcare provider in general, such as nurses and allied health science people. We know that when families do not connect with healthcare systems, providers should be able to have some vital members of the healthcare team to help them understand how to access services and understand what's happening to them. In other words, help interpret the process what's going on with them. We know that employers can further support family caregivers through leave policies and flexible work uh, arrangements. I've done a lot of research around caregiving and older people uh, in caregiving and dementia care. And one of the things that I discovered many years ago, as particularly for female uh, caregivers, most of whom are uh, female caregivers for people with dementia, could not get days off work. Uh, They could not be late. They were very distracted at work. And of course, I remember having an interview with the Wall Street Journal about the risk of being uh, hurt or damaged or not being able to do your job well in the workplace uh, because of distractions, emotional distractions, uh, sleep deprivation, uh, risk for uh, falling asleep at a machine uh, in, a, in, a, in a plant. So these kinds of things are not often obvious to us, but these are the experiences of many caregivers that employers may need to be aware of. And we know that uh, technology is underutilized as a solution to enhance brain health. A lot of people have smartphones. We can use these smartphones in many ways that we couldn't in the past Older people can use them, younger people. And I'd like to say that there is there are different tiers of caregivers and families, uh, primary, secondary, and what I call and label in the literature, uh, tertiary caregivers. Young people who are grandchildren, nieces and nephews, who can do specialized things for their loved ones who are older uh, with some form of dementia. These are people who can use their smartphones and other technology to stay in touch with their loved ones, as well as find resources to support the family and support the family caregiving process. And also we can provide content to raise awareness in a manner that is educational and entertaining. People are afraid of dementia. They're afraid of speaking about Alzheimer's disease. So we'd like to say that uh, we can educate in a way that to reduce this fear. 
There's so much good information here and to unpack. And uh, I know folks, even if you just go to ARP.org um, or, or Google um, uh, this this report, you'll be able to, to to take a look at it and see. Just put in ARP brain health, and you'll 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 be able to get to it pretty pretty quickly. Some major takeaways from what you just said is I just I'm sure so many in our audience had never thought about. Number one, you use the word science, you know, and science unfortunately that term and concept has gotten so politicized recently it, it's pretty awful but as our understanding for certain issues increases you know because of science like understanding uh this the, the you know brain health and all that's involved with it um that 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 understanding needs to be shared with those who are making decision make decisions right elected officials and those who control state budget dollars things like that community resources um so they can make sure that we're living in the the most livable community possible as the percentage of older pop uh, older adults grows the other big thing i want to point out is is that piece of care coordination and so many people i think you know we talk about care coordination you know you go in for a procedure you come out you have a team following up with you if you need therapy all of that you know it's all linked together in a way to provide the best possible health outcomes and people don't think about brain health being part of that and it's so so important, and I, for people, I think to understand that is part of it because that's part of the process for people. And again, not just old being older, but the environment you're living in, and all these other factors contributing so much to it. Um, how can people learn more about the Gillings School of Global Public Health? What's what's the best way for folks to to learn more about not just this area of work that you have, but but um, other areas? Well, uh, they can Google Gilling School of Global Public Health or Google UNC Chapel Hill and go to the different departments and different schools across the university. But you can just Google Gilling School of Global Public Health. I'm in the uh, Department of Health Policy and Management. Uh, we have uh, seven departments and a leadership program in addition to that. And uh, we have an wonderful set of and very well-informed faculty and outstanding students in our school doing great work across the world. Now, in terms of the Global Council on Brain Health, which I am one of the inaugural members, and I led this uh, report on equity and brain health as a part of the council, you can go to the AARP website and or you can just Google Global Council on Brain Health and you can access the report. Not only this report, but other reports that the council has produced on different topics that are very much needed uh, to educate and inform the world and particularly the American population. And we're going to be posting these links uh, as well, along with with this podcast, so folks have uh, easy uh, ability to be able to click onto them. Um, Dr. Dilworth Anderson, thank you so much. We really appreciate not only your time today, but especially your work with AARP in this area uh, on this uh, really, really significant field um, that more and more people need to know about. We really want to thank you for your time um, doing that and with being uh, with us here on the show today. Well, that is a wrap, folks. Again, please email your questions or comments to us at AARP without limits at AARP. AARP.org. I want to again thank Dr. Peggy Dilworth Anderson for being our guest. Thank you to Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander signing off.